0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 332 of The Freelancer Show. Uh, Today on our panel, we have Eric Dietrich. Hi, everybody. And
1: I'm Jeremy Green. And today we're going to talk about uh, when to discount your work. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Uh, there might be,
0: you know, a, a lot of times you'll find clients and prospects that will ask for discounts. And I've generally discourage people from offering those just kind of as a matter of course uh you want to you know r- remain strong in the value of your work and find clients that will value that but there are times when you might want to legitimately offer a discount maybe you've got a friend or a family member that's asked you to do some work for them or maybe you have a nonprofit group that you'd like to do some work for and you want to support them and you know, either give them a discount or just outright do some free work for them and kind of donate um, your time and effort. Um, and those are good things to do, you know, the, no harm in doing those things. But sometimes they sort of have hidden costs that uh, you might not consider upfront, And it's worth thinking about that. Um, Eric, you got any, uh, any immediate experiences on this that you want to mention?
2: Sure. I mean, over the course of being on my own, you know, freelancing, running businesses, this has certainly come up for any number of reasons. Um, So just off the top, I can think of, I spent a lot of years uh, donating. I'll call it, I I would go down, it was called office hours at a startup incubator in Chicago. And I was kind of like the rentist CTO for half an hour for uh, um, some of the startups that had questions about tech. Um, And then Over the course of my, you know, business dealings over the last five, six years, I can think of any number of discounts. It's almost like, where do you start? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so there's like discounting, you know, past business associates, um, discounting uh you know to drum up new business discounting when you're doing some kind of beta offering uh things of that nature these are all things i've done i'm trying to think i actually when it comes to the subject of friends and family i can't recall much of that i haven't historically done a lot of like transactional freelance business with friends and family maybe i'm just forgetting about something um that could maybe get dicey but yeah it certainly comes up i think on a long enough timeline, you'd be hard pressed not to run a business where the subject of discounts um, comes up in some capacity or another.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Comes up all the time.
2: So I'm thinking of like, you know, just in the subject in general, um, There, it probably helps to like bucket the reasons that you might discount work. Like, for instance... Um, discounting work because your buddy calls you up and says, Hey, uh, I can really use some help is sort of a much different thing than say discounting work because you're hard up for business, which alternatively is a much different thing for discounting work because maybe, um, you just want to incent, you know, as part of your normal business offering, you know, you want to incent clients to do something like a volume discount or something like that. So, um, I think maybe, it, you know, as a foundational sort of idea, the first thing to do is identify the motivations for giving discounts like what do you think what are some categories of discounts you can think of
0: uh, Yeah, you you hit a lot of the good ones there um yeah drumming up business supporting people or organizations that you want support that you know can't afford your normal rates um Yeah. And, you know, maybe you're trying to get into a new service offering and you know that, you know, you don't really have a track record that you can point to, um, to be able to guarantee results or something. And so you might, you know, charge a a lesser rate for that.
2: Um, So maybe like we could break up the conversation by talking about each of these, I guess. Yeah discount use cases and whether to do it or not. And for me, like the easiest one maybe to start with would be like the friends and family discount. Um, So that to me is something I would be sort of leery of if I've got a friend, you know, that like say for our business hit subscriber, we're doing blog content. If I had a friend that called me up and said, I'm starting a new business. What do you say about giving me a discount on blog posts? Cause we're such good friends. Who, uh, you know, off the cuff to me, that is something I'd probably stay away from, um, personally, just because I would see s- that being such a fraught path. Uh, I don't know. What's your take on that?
0: Yeah, I genuinely agree with that. Um, the, I mean, I t- really understand the strong urge to want to do it and want to help out. Um, uh, and it could even be fine in the short term. I think it's sort of the, it opens the door to a lot of longer term problems uh, that are really the the main reasons to stay away from it. Um, you know, you could, if your friend gets the idea that, okay, now, you know, you do work for him at this cheaper rate, um, you know, at some point maybe that's not going to be sustainable and you can't do it. Uh, and you're going to have to go back and either tell him that you need to charge more or just cut it off. And, you know, that could, do bad things to your friendship. Um,
2: yeah, the um, you know what what pops into my head is you're talking about that like this might be unsustainable. Is uh, setting aside the idea of friends and family. One of the things like one of kind of my operating principles with the businesses um, that I've had is I don't really like when somebody's at the lower end of my price range in terms of a service I'm providing, and I'm at the upper end of their budget. Mm-hmm. Even setting aside the differences that can come up with friends and family, that's a precarious situation to be in because you're going to spend the entire time feeling that the work is barely worth your time. And the person you're doing business with is going to be spending the entire time thinking that you should be doing more because you're so expensive. Um so I guess that's what's popping into my head. Like if, if a friend comes to you and says, can you give me a break on this? You're, you're teeing up that relationship almost by definition. You're doing the work in a way that you're not happy about. And if that person's asking for a discount, most likely it's because they can barely afford this. So you're teeing up that difficult relationship with somebody who is a friend or family. So I think that might be why my like visceral reaction was, I I would want to stay away from that.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, and I hate to say it, but there will be people that are, you know, maybe more like an acquaintance than a friend that will try to ask for the friends and family discount, um, <laughs> and you know, uh, those relationships can very easily turn into something where they're basically just trying to exploit you, uh, and you know, it, it's just kind of not good. They're they're taking advantage of your goodwill for you know, maybe a circle that you both belong to or, or something. Um, and that can, you know, cause really cause problems.
2: What, like, so if somebody comes to you asking for a discount that is a friend or family member, um, and you want to stay away from that, how do you have that conversation? Like, what do you tell them? So... A lot of my
0: experiences with friends and family coming to me asking for work are, you know, it's very specific to my, my situation. Uh, usually it's somebody that just knows from a, at a very general level that I do web stuff uh, and they will come and be like, hey, can you build me a website? Uh, you know, that's the, by far and way, the most general most common one for me is hey can you build me a website um and kind of in my early days i would be like oh yeah sure i can build a website and you know i'll put it on you know in my early days it was basically I will, i'll build it on this content management system that we've written for our agency uh and you'll be able to update it yourself um my <laughs> experience both with uh the friends and family that I tried this with and with some of our clients is that a lot of people really don't want to update stuff themselves. And I sort of would end up being a human content management system for them, uh, you know, basically doing data entry for stuff that they could have done themselves, but didn't really want to. And they perceived <laughs> as being a technical task or or whatever. Um, and. It, you know, th- this is sort of specific to doing development work. I don't know if you'd have the same sorts of problems, you know, if you're just doing graphic design for somebody or writing copy or something, but with development and standing up a website for somebody in particular, you know, you're kind of signing up for a long term commitment there. Uh, you know, you build the site and host host it, get it posted somewhere uh Or at least the way that I was doing it back in the day, you know, it, it turned out to be a long term commitment, you know, I would get the thing running and then, oh, okay, yeah, I guess I'm going to be supporting this thing for the next few years. And, <laughs> you know, it, that would run the gamut from doing content updates to, okay, when well, we need to do a system update, that's just one additional site that has to be checked and double checked to make sure that nothing broke. Uh, So it sort of would just increase my overall um, workload, you know, to some extent. Um, So that's something that I look out for now. And, you know, now when somebody asks me, hey, can you build me a website? I tell them, you know, you should go look at Squarespace or Shopify or something else that is going to be self-serve for you because... I honestly believe that you will have a better experience by using something like that and using that tool to do exactly what you want. Then you will have trying to filter what you want through me, where now I'm going to go use one of those tools and, you know, I could set it up, but you're going to be better served by just taking the, the charge on it and understanding how that system works and being able to make the changes that you need to make. Um, And so, you know, it's been a a good number of years since I've actually taken on a, hey, I'll build you a website for anybody that's friends and family. Um, And, you know, I try to, I get into the details with them some about, you know, it's not that I can't do this or that I won't do it. It's just that I honestly believe you'll have a better experience by doing this other thing. Because, you know, if you've got an update that you need and it might be something that you think is very important and you send it to me and if I'm on vacation, I may not see it for a week and, you know, you're going to be unhappy that your update has not been made or, you know, there's just a a whole list of reasons that really, honestly, you don't want me in your process for having a website. You'd be better off being able to do that on your own
2: that makes sense. So there's, you know, the option of, Hey, I'm not going to do this for you because really you have a better alternative. Um, I'm trying to think of something that I could suggest for you listeners out there um, myself, like if you want to turn down this business, a couple of things that I find um, keep in mind that whether you're just kind of doing some, you know hourly delivery type work or running a business whatever it may be um you that is a business you've got kind of internal finances and concerns and you've got margins and that's not really anybody's business even if they are your friends and family so i'll say things to people you know whether friends or family or otherwise like i just can't make a business case to do that or um You know, like if I were to discount it that much, given the way that I operate internally, that would actually put me into the red. It's just it doesn't make sense for me. So you can do variations of things that say this isn't viable for me um, Mm -hmm. and that people can't really socially, you know, like it would be pretty unusual for someone to counter by saying, like, well, let me have a look at your books. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And, you know, if you've got all the work you can handle right now, it's totally fine to say, you know, I'm just overbooked right now. Uh, The soonest I would be able to get to it is next October. Uh, And, you know, if it's something that somebody is really serious about doing, they're going to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to find some other means of getting this done. Uh, And if they are happy to wait until next October, that's probably a good sign that they're really not very serious about it and are just hoping that you can do some magic for them and create them a business or something.
2: Yeah. If it can wait until next October, um, (laughs) (laughs) it seems odd that, you know, there'd be this urgency and need of a discount right now. (laughs) Yeah.
1: This episode is sponsored by Paymo. You can check them out at paymoapp.com and they are a terrific tool for tracking projects, keeping track of time and sending out invoices. So if you're looking for a solution that's sort of an all-in-one solution, that allows you to do all of those things, to keep track of time, manage tasks, get paid as a freelancer, then check it out. If you're part of a larger team, they also have a team solution that allows you to manage projects across everybody, track all the time across everybody, and then send out the invoices the same way. It runs on Windows and Mac, and it works really, really great. You can get the task management view that's kind of like a Trello board. The time tracking is terrific, and you can look at uh timesheet view, You can also just keep track of the time and see where everything went to. Um, There is a terrific uh, timesheet report and you can also work on scheduling with your team and everything else. And then, like I said, you just send out invoices. Plus they've got a terrific API so that if you need to integrate with other things like the Adobe Creative Suite or G Suite, which is uh, email and things like that, uh, you can do that too. And it also uses Zapier. So if you need to automate things through there, it's terrific. Just go check them out at paymoapp.com.
2: So I guess, what are the other kinds of discounts? Like the the one to start doing an offering, for instance, I bet that type of discount has a much different outlook than the friends and family one. Um, Definitely. Because this is actually a technique that I do a fair bit um, as I'm developing a different line of business or a service. Um I will actually do, uh, you know, I think of it as various forms of beta work. Um, Not only it's sometimes discounted, but for free. So I can build out a playbook for it. Now, um, when I'm thinking of this for me, uh, this is typically been with um, hit subscribe where, you know, we've got a number of people working for the organization and whatnot. And these are smaller, um, I guess, more focused things that we might sell for I don't know, $500 a month. So I, I realize this won't apply to everybody. I'm not suggesting um, that when it comes to discounting this, that you should say, yeah, I'm going to take on a six-month um, app dev project for free because it involves building out some CRM customizations, and I've never done that before. Yeah, um, do that. So, I mean, <laughs> you, you want to be thinking through what it is you're doing. And usually if you're discounting something, because it's new to you and you'll be learning on the job or or fleshing it out you really have to think through i guess what your costs are going to be and how much of a discount that you ought to think about giving
0: and the end game for that discount process you know you certainly don't want to get locked into some sort of long-term you know open-ended can be renewed forever type of contract at a at a steep discount uh, That's if, a great point. Even yeah. if it is new stuff to you, you know, at some point you're going to have a good enough handle on it that the value you're bringing is no longer matched by that discount. Um, and you know, something that you you alluded to a minute ago is that you know you want to look at the overall dollar value of whatever discount you're offering, and then sort of look at that as an investment that you're making into your business. And ask yourself, you know, if I just had this amount of cash, would I spend that to make this investment?
2: Mm, I like that. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe <clears throat> I sort of do this subconsciously with um, kind of these offerings that I'm alluding to. Like, let me uh, give a tangible example with what I'm talking about. For instance, like, um, I am uh, like, For instance, at one time, we, as we were delivering blog posts to our uh, DevTools clients, we said that we wanted to kind of build out a situation where we would also give them accompanying social media assets, so we had somebody working for us kind of prototype those. We went to a client and said, um, you know, we don't exactly know how we would price this yet. How would you like to be a freebie beta for this? And I think we put a cap on it, like, you know, for two or three months. And of course, they said yes, because there was no charge. But that's um, number one, it's very, I guess, tactical in a certain sense, and it's easy enough to to bound. And also compared to the service delivery of our blog offering, that's relatively marginal. So we're not talking about um, so I'm talking about tacking on something you know that maybe had twenty percent of the value for a service we were already delivering. Yeah. Uh, which would be much different than if we had never been in the business of content and we were going, you know, out to random potential clients and saying, hey, let us write tweets for you and we'll do that for free until we figure <laughs> out what that costs. Like, that's not something we should do. So I like this idea that if you're going to if you're going to offer a discount to maybe get a foot in the door or to test out some new offering or something that you almost want to I don't want to go so far as to say a business plan, but you want to build out like a mini business case and say, OK. You know, what is my investment, whether it's time or labor or, you know, material costs? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I sinking into this? And what do I expect to get out on the back end? Like, if this goes well, am I going to have an, a productized service that I can deliver, you know, for $1,000 in an afternoon? Or, you know, what what's your potential upside at the end of it?
0: Yep, definitely. I think that's a great, great way to look
2: at it. And so, as we're talking about this, it's funny, like to to juxtapose these things. Here, we're talking about something that absolutely lends itself to building a business case versus looking back at kind of the friends and family discount concept. There's really no business case for that. Yeah, I mean, maybe if
0: you're trying to apply the, you know, you could sort of combine the two, right? Like, okay, I'm going to do this friends and family thing on something that I don't entirely know how to do, and it's a good way to learn, Um, Mm. you know, but again, you, you're going to want to bound that in some way. Uh, You know, I I think that's maybe a little bit different than, okay, I'm going to do a friends and family job on something that is my core skill, uh, but just discount it because they're a friend and family, you know, in, in the, if you are kind of combining those two ideas, you're not really giving them the discount because they're your friend. You're giving them discount because you're doing something that's not your core offering that you're trying to build up your skills on come.
2: Um, yeah. And, you know, as you mentioned that, that's a much more mutual thing. So if I, if a friend of mine comes to, my, to, to me and says, like, say I were doing <clears throat> custom application development and I were usually doing that at $150 an hour or something, and a friend came and said, hey, because we're friends, will you do that at $100 an hour instead of $150? There's really nothing much in that for me. That's a pure like, yep. uh, purely prevailing upon our relationship to ask for a favor. But if if that friend comes to me and says, Hey, I need this. It's not quite what you do. Like, you know, say I was doing development um, mostly in Java and the friend came and said, I need some development in Ruby. Uh, And I said, well, I wouldn't mind having that language in my portfolio. So why don't we do a thing where I give you a discount and you put up with the fact that I'm learning a programming language on the fly. Like that maybe could be a nice kind of quid pro quo
0: yeah, I mean, I think you but know, I would
2: still bound it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, you definitely still want to bound it, and I think it still is sort of opening up the possibility for future conflict or misunderstanding. Uh, Certainly, and, and again, I think this is entirely dependent on you know the nature of what you do and how you know how your normal project sort of comes to completion. Um, you know, with with development type stuff you know, in some sense, projects are never done. There's always some new thing that, that they want to do. And so it can be harder to bound that sort of thing over, okay, I'm going to write you five blog posts or I'm going to design this flyer for you or, you know, any number of other things that sort of have natural shelf life or however you want to say that. Um, so you know even even doing new stuff for a friend i think is still fraught with potential issues um and you know what if you find out that you're really not very good at this new thing or you know it doesn't come off as well as you'd like you know or is is it going to impact your relationship that you've kind of delivered subpar stuff for your friend and he still has to pay for it um not that it's not you know not that it's not something you can't do but Just watch out.
2: Yeah, I would definitely echo that. I mean, I guess that kind of gets back to the whole concept, you know, of business and personal and whatnot. And, um, like, you know, just thinking of dealing with friends and family in such a way, that's just, it's a vector beyond what you're used to of like, what could go wrong with a human interaction that you have, um, there are a lot of ways that, you know, in my experience that that mixing those two concerns can sort of lead to personal acrimony. And it makes me think, too, of sort of a subconscious policy that started out when I was younger, like maybe almost in college, where if friends would ask me to loan them money, I would do that. But it never an amount that like if they just absconded with it would be crippling for me. Mm-hmm. So basically, whenever I would start, you know, loaning people money, I would say to myself, um, if they never paid this back, would I be all right? And the answer would be no if, if not. And yeah. so, um, that kind of extended into my business life. So if somebody's asking for, say, a friends or family discount, or if I were doing something like donating my time, you know, either partially or totally to a cause offering that form of discount, that I would look at this as, this is you know i'm doing this it's almost like i'm putting out my own personal money i'm giving this discount um for a reason that i can't necessarily make a business case for and i i guess like you know to, to make this a little more concrete like if you are doing something like um donating your time to a not-for-profit or a church or something you, you know you're going to do that in as much as you have the time and bandwidth and prioritize that accordingly. So you can actually look at maybe doing a discount through that same lens. Like if I'm going to do a discount, I'm going to do this in as much as it makes sense, but I'm going to view this as like, I'm actually giving some of my own personal time to them because it's not justified through my business. Yep. So, I mean, I think that can be a good framework too. Like if, you know, if I'm going to give a 50% discount on my hourly rate, why am I doing that? And if it's for personal reasons, maybe I should be looking at this not as a business decision, but as, you know, a hobby almost.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another category I think would be, uh, supporting nonprofits or other types of organizations that, you know, could use your expertise, um, uh, but may or may not be in a great position to pay for it. Um, I think in those cases, you definitely want to structure things such in such a way that whatever time and effort and cost you actually incur is reflected by the organization as a donation. You know, you, you don't want to just be doing work for free. You want to, end up being listed on their supporters or sponsors page or, you know, whatever. And you, I think you should do your best to try to attach a real monetary value to what it is that you're doing for them and frame that as a gift.
2: Mm. Yeah, I like that. And it kind of ties in with the direction this conversation has gone a bit too about like, on some conceptual level, you know, how to what extent are you doing this personally, like donating your time versus to what extent is this a business decision? And I'm not saying that, like, if if, if you're working as a freelancer and you're going to do something at a discounted rate for a cause you really believe in, uh, I'm not saying that you have to somehow create this artificial separation where you say, like, all right, I'm going to charge you my full rate for eight hours today and then I'm going to go and donate two hours where i don't charge you at all or whatever but like you know think that through what's the split between um the reasons you have for doing this professionally and the reasons um that you're doing it personally and then on the professional level i think that's excuse me absolutely right you know don't be shy about you know thinking about how this helps your business are you you know, listed on this company's site, you might be getting a tax break for doing this kind of work. There may be various incentives for you to do it. Um, and that's perfectly fine because, you know, at the end of the day, you're doing a good thing.
0: Yeah. And it's important to keep in mind that nonprofit does not mean nobody associated with this organization gets paid in any way. You know, people that work for nonprofits, they get paid, they've got to put food on their table. They have to pay rent. Um, there's a lot of money flowing through a lot of nonprofit nonprofits, and you want to make sure that you know you kind of don't get taken advantage of by someone that is, you know, telling you, "Hey, we're a nonprofit, so that means we can't pay you, and you have to do stuff for free." Um, you know, that's really not—it's certainly not always the case, and I think it's probably rarely the case uh, that they honestly can't pay for any service.
2: That's a great point. I mean, I've done business over the years with a number of nonprofits and those have been great clients. And I can echo that they certainly do have a checkbook that they can write you checks with. I'm trying to think if there's other discount categories that we haven't really covered. I guess the one I touched on early, which is uh, kind of the operational discount, like the classic example being a retail store offering a volume discount. Like, do you mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. thoughts on, especially if you're kind of doing like pure freelancing, like if you're just kind of taking on, you know, a sequence of contracts or projects, largely one after another, are there operational discounts or are there sort of, you know, baked into your standard business model discounts you can think of to offer there? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think volume discounts, can
0: sort of apply to a freelance type business, depending on how your business is structured. Uh, You know, for me, certainly, if I'm talking to a prospect that I know is going to want, you know, a lot of effort over a several month period, uh, I'm more inclined to give them a more favorable rate than I am somebody that is talking about a project that's, you know, going to take a dozen hours over the course of a week, and then I'm done. Uh, And my thought process there is that, you know, the, the one client over a long period of time is both more stable for me and depending on exactly what rates we're talking about might be more profitable than doing a series of small clients where I'm constantly scrambling to find new work in between. And so that kind of unpaid scrambling time is diminished. Uh, but, the you know, the, and that this is highly dependent on your situation. You know, there's also a, a very strong case to be made that it's ultimately more profitable to do a string of smaller clients where you're charging a, a higher rate, uh, because usually for a smaller project, you know, you can kind of command a higher effective hourly rate than you could over a very long time period.
1: Hey folks, I found a terrific tool for planning out your projects and setting timelines. It's actually terrific. If you've ever used a Gantt chart before, it's based on that, but it's got a whole lot of other great features. It's an interactive online project management tool for people who love planning with timelines and Gantt charts. The thing that I like about it is that I can actually plan things out and I can get a tentative timeline for what's going on. And then it's got a simple UI with drag and drop capabilities that make it really easy for me to adjust the timeline and then automatically adjust everything else based on what is dependent on what is dependent on what. And it's just, it's terrific. Um, so the, the online process and learning curve are really, really short. It's a terrific fit for both individual freelancers and for teams. Project coordinators love the simple planning and other great features like workload, task assignments, deadlines, critical path, Uh, baseline. Uh, Teams use it for online uh, collaboration. You can leave comments, you can attach files, you can send notifications, the whole nine yards. Um, It integrates with JIRA if you're using JIRA, but the other killer feature for me was that you can actually switch it over and you can see it in a Kanban board view, which is awesome. You can get a 14-day trial at ganttpro.com. You can also use their software development project template, if that's what you're into, and that's at ganttpro.com slash software dash development dash plan dash template. And if you use the code devchat, you can get $50 off for using Gantt Pro. So go check it out at ganttpro.com.
2: Yeah, I guess provided you're keeping that pipeline stocked, um, it really does vary. And, and what you're saying makes me think of, I guess, I have, you know, as I think about this, the more or over the course of time, I've actually done a number of different operational discounts. And what I'm realizing is probably at first, this wasn't quite as intentional, but over the years, it's become more intentional. I'm really looking to incent the client behaviors that I'm looking for. So if, you know, to your point, if at the moment, um, you would really value sort of long range stability in a contract, it makes a lot of sense to to discount somebody who's willing to do that if on the other hand you're having no trouble whatsoever stocking your pipeline with a series of very short very profitable engagements then you probably want to flip that incentive model and you know maybe even give us like discount for those short-term yeah. pieces of work or what have you and yeah. i'm just thinking of other means of incentivizing client behavior that i've done over the years Uh, a lot of this you know so uh classic format discount uh, that that is this is like i'll give you a discount if you pay the whole rate up front you know Mm -hmm. give me my you know it'll cost you 90 percent um if you pay me up front versus if you want to pay in arrears that's the full 100 percent um so yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, there's been a lot of this over the course of time. Whether it's buying in bulk or you, you know maybe even client behaviors, like um, although I'd be careful with this if you if you want to incent clients to leave you alone on nights and weekends, um, <laughs> maybe you charge a premium for that overtime kind of thing. Uh, I say be careful with that because mm-hmm. some clients, if you do that, will just take that extra spend as a license to live in your inbox on Saturday and Sunday.
0: Yep, yeah, they certainly be careful will.
2: what you incent. <laughs>
0: yeah um, so another category that I've run into over the years where I absolutely do not recommend doing a discount is when you encounter a business that just kind of speaks to you for some reason and several times when we were running our agency back in the day we would run into a prospect that you know was some local, business that was doing something that we found interesting that, you know, our gut instinct was to say, yeah, we want to help this person. We want to, you know, this is a business that we would love to see be successful locally. Um, and we would offer discounts and in hindsight, I think that was not a very smart thing of us to do just from a, you know, stability of our own business perspective. Um, you know, it's it's very easy to, to see something that you want to support and think, oh yeah, sure, I'll give them a little bit of discount. What can it hurt? But if you do that enough times, you really, really start cannibalizing your own revenue and profits. And, you know, you really do have to keep in mind that you're running a business. You're not running a charity. And the, you know, one of the defining aspects of running a business is people pay for your product or service.
2: Yeah. Um, So I'm trying to think if this is something that's come up for me over the course of time. If you go and say, I like what you're doing here, I want to offer you a discounted rate. I think where this has come into play with me is um, more like I like a relationship I have and I grandfather clients in too long after I've raised rates or kind of moved on with my service. So I guess that's a more subtle form of it then then kind of coming up front and saying i'm going to offer you a discount because i really like what you're up to um but in either case yeah that's uh tempting but like i don't if i'm thinking back historically it's not that it always has gone badly to do this extended grandfathering or whatever but it starts to be a drag on your own business prospects and you know I think there's nothing like offering somebody an extended discount to flip from i like what you're doing and i want to support this to like you're not one of my best clients yeah and if you lead with that that's no fault of that client
0: yep yep
2: so i'm with you i think that's something i would try to steer clear of is uh you know especially like you know i'm imagining that i was doing say app dev or something. And uh, I, I stumbled along, you know, I thought I really wanted to work on blockchain technology or something. And there was some client out there that was doing that, you know, to offer them a discounted rate to go work on that technology. Be careful of, I guess one of the concerns we're talking about here, masquerading as the other where you might think like, well, I really want to get into blockchain. So I'm going to offer a discount. Now, are you making a business decision for that? Or are you just kind of coming along and saying, hey, I like what you're into. So, you know, let me discount my rates in the hope that you'll hire me for this cheaper rate. Because, you know, if you can make a business case for it, so be it, but be careful that you're not kind of, I guess, letting non-business concerns guide that decision.
0: Yeah. And the sort of the the trap that we fell into uh, is that we were offering a, productized service, uh, this was before I even knew enough to know that it was called a productized service, uh, but we were just doing, you know, flat fee, we'll build your website up to X number of pages, you know, for $2,500 or $5,000 or whatever it was, I don't remember. Um, but most of the time when we would offer a discount, it was in not really in the form of an explicit, we're going to charge you Less, it was okay. Instead of you paying this flat fee for our productized service, we'll just charge you our normal hourly rate for whatever hours we end up putting into it. And your site's going to be small enough that we expect it's going to be less than the $5,000 that we would charge you in a flat fee. Mm. And so, in that, we were really just cutting off any of the, the, you know, effects of scale that we were hoping to achieve by selling a a flat fee productized service. You know, the whole point of doing that is usually that you can make a better effective hourly rate by putting a price on it than you could by trying to advertise whatever that effective hourly rate is. Right. Uh, You know, like if, if you're you know, let's say you're doing a site setup and you're charging $5,000 for it. And you know, you're only going to be putting in, you know, 10 hours, you're effectively making $500 an hour, but you're not advertising that you're, you're charging $500 an hour. Uh, And so for us, you know, it was our advertised hourly rate was 150. And, you know, if we could tell somebody, Hey, we know there's only going to be 10, maybe 20 hours into your site. Okay, now we're charging you one hundred, you know, fifteen hundred to three thousand instead of five thousand, and it's really the economies of scale that we're preventing from coming into play there.
2: Yeah, that's it's an interesting conundrum because I can, you know, picture this fairly easily where you probably had this sense of guilt almost to them like. Well, if they were to go and look at our hourly rate and then think about, mm-hmm. you know, how quickly are we <laughs> delivering this? Do we, you know, we, we like these guys. Do we want to look bad? Well, no, you know, we can probably do it for a lot less and still make some money. Yeah, I could certainly see that. I think it's probably a hard bet to have flip too, where you're looking at this and, and saying, look, um, you know, this is what it's worth or, or what have you, uh, rather than letting the hourly rate creep into the mix. So like, how did you get away from that?
0: Uh, the agency closed down and I decided to do different things. When I started my own solo practice. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. That would do it. Yeah. We uh, we finally closed down and we're in debt at the time. So I had mm. to cl- climb my way out of that hole and then
2: decided, all right, I'm doing things differently by myself from now on. So are you st- now by yourself, or are you offering those kinds of productized services?
0: No, not really. Uh, I generally don't, I mean, certainly not, you know, one-off website setups. You know, I generally am looking to deal with uh, more sophisticated clients than somebody that's looking to have a website set up for them. You know, I'm doing cloud architecture and, you know, scaling and all that sort of thing. And, you know... And really really kind of into a, a area that is hard to productize because it's all about figuring out you know, what people's problems are and at what scale. And the combination of those two things always makes it fairly unique.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. I was trying to think of like if I were in that situation. Yeah, I think the thing I'd be going for is on the one hand to figure out a way to stick to my guns with it and on the other to maybe... I guess package it in such a way that people weren't asking for that form of discount by trying to do the math on the hourly rate. Where if, you know, if I were saying, well, I do application development in 150 an hour, or I'll do a full website build for five thousand dollars, that I might be throwing some guarantees or some you know perks into that package that you know, are directly tieable. Like I, I would want to get the clients out of the business of calculating my cost. I think that's mm-hmm. one thing, like almost a circle back, like to the very beginning of this, where I was talking about friends and family discount, you can say, look, I can't make a business case or whatever for that. The more opaque you make your cost structure to clients, mm-hmm. uh, the less they're going to try to argue with you about what you're charging. Now they may come and say, uh, no, I can't afford that. Or it's not within my budget, but that's a lot different than haggling with you over your price. Yeah. And,
0: you know, frankly, part of our problem back then was that we weren't really very savvy about how to find prospects. And we were stuck in the mindset of, okay, we're looking for businesses around here that we can help and had sort of limited ourselves to local markets where, you know, my business partner could drive for an hour or two or less and be sitting down face to face with someone. And, you know, for, for whatever reason we, that sort of also, I don't know if it was conscious or intentional, but for whatever reason we mainly talked to very small or brand new businesses. You know, we didn't Mm. do a whole lot of work with big established businesses that were going to have budgets for projects. Um, And, you know, I, I think maybe that was as much just out of, Ignorance that we should be more selective with prospects that we go after, or something. I, I don't. I don't exactly know. Um, mm. I I was kind of trying to stay out of the business side of things at the time. You know, I, I had a partner who was kind of the business guy, and I was the tech guy, and trying not to step on toes and stuff. But um, sure, you know, it, we 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 constantly found ourselves doing work with very small businesses that often didn't have a whole lot of a budget, and those are not. Great. Not, not a great collection of clients to try to build a profitable practice on.
2: Yeah. I mean, then it, it kind of gets back into the upper end of your or their price range, lower end yeah. of your um, yeah. desired client window. And, and yep. then that can be tough.
0: Yep. We ran into that a whole lot.
2: Um, so anything we're missing? Any other, like, I guess, closing thoughts on discounts or um, closing advice? Um, I
0: I mean, I think the main thing is that if you're going to offer a discount, really understand why you are offering the discount and make it clear to the other party why. And, you know, in my opinion, just because a client or a prospect has asked for a discount, that's not a good enough why. Uh, you know, people always want to try to get things for less than the sticker price uh, and there'll be some people that will just try to haggle with you as a matter of course, even if they honestly think that what you're offering is worth the price um and so you know just don't discount just because somebody's asked for it. make sure that you have real reasons they're a friend or a family, and you know all the all the caveats that we mentioned previously still stand with those uh it's a organization that you want to support if you do that make sure that it's counted as a donation uh, or a gift or is somehow reflected that you know this has value you've just opted to give it to us at a discount or for free or whatever um, and then yeah definitely don't don't give discounts to companies that you just like and would like to see succeed because uh, that can be can just gets you into a bad situation.
2: Yeah, I think kind of, you know, for my own closing note there, I'll I'll add on to that last thought a little bit and say, like, philosophically, if you're giving a discount, in a way, you're practicing conducting your business at a lower rate than you set out to do. Like, you're, you're codifying that. So I would say that, like we've talked about earlier, you need like an exit criteria for that discount in terms of scope or, or what have you, and you need to be able to make a really solid business case for it. Otherwise, you're just um, you're gaining more experience delivering your services at a lower price. And that's not something you want to do lightly or without like very clear goals and understanding uh, of exactly what you're trying to accomplish.
0: Yeah. And, you know, to the part about, to the point about not just offering discounts because someone's asked for it, um, you know, if you do that, you're likely creating some incentive for your client to recommend you to other people and tell those people that they should ask for a discount because (laughs) you gave them a great discount and you're doing all this great work for them at a low price. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, cheapskate clients breed more cheapskate clients. And so if you start letting one in the door, you may find others coming to you and, you know, you absolutely can get stuck in a cycle of doing high value work for low paying clients and not being able to find a good way out of it because you've packed your schedule with low paying clients and aren't leaving yourself enough room to Find and develop and nurture relationships with prospects that would be better clients.
2: Yeah, what a great point. And there's the Those mental game do of it. Multiply like mushrooms. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And there's just the mental game of it. You know, as you do more and more work at a lower rate, it's kind of harder to convince yourself that you really should be making a higher rate. Uh, and if you let that go on too long, you can kind of get complacent and fall into a place that you really don't want to be.
2: Yeah. Well, what do you think?
0: Time for picks? Yeah, I, I think time for picks. Uh, what do you got this week?
2: Um, we were just doing a long driving trip, and my wife and I yesterday started. I haven't finished it, but we started listening to the audiobook, Ready Player One. And it is kind of a light, breezy, fun <laughs> read, sort of packed with like old geek nostalgia. So. I don't know, like the dialogue sometimes isn't the best, but just, you know, hearing about all these like old computers and role playing games and video games from my youth is a lot of fun. So, you know, if you kind of like any combination of like 80s music, um, you know, old movies, but like old computers, old role playing games like, um, you know, Baldur's Gate or, or things of that nature, like you probably enjoy giving this book a read or a listen Um, So I'll throw that out as a pick. And then the other one, I'll do the obligatory plug for any of you out there that are um, techies, you know, software developers doing DevOps stuff, uh, testing, etc. Any any, um, software or software adjacent folks that want to come write for Hit Subscribe, we do pay folks to uh, write technical blog posts.
0: Cool, Uh, for my pick, I'm gonna go with uh, Practical Object-Oriented Design by Sandy Metz. It's a book I've just started rereading. Uh, There's really a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, If you're doing software development, I highly recommend it. Definitely a good book to have kind of on your shelf and be familiar with all the things in it, even if you don't do strictly object-oriented stuff day-to-day, it helps. uh, Just kind of think about how to organize code Uh, and that's all I've got for this week so thank you all for joining us on the Freelancer Show
1: Uh, we will see you next week Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN Deliver your content fast with Cashfly Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more